اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولا تنكحوا المشركات حتى يؤمن and do not marry polytheistic women until they have believed in the verses that follow commands about family life such as marriage and divorce and the personal relationship the intimate relationship between a husband and wife are mentioned they are detailed islam places great importance on family life especially the relationship between the husband and wife because a family is the basic unit of the society if the family is okay if the family is proper if the relationship between the husband and wife is okay then the rest of the society is also going to be okay the islah of the family means the islah of the society and the fasad of the family means fasad of the entire society we see that marriage in islam is not just about enjoyment it's not just about fulfillment of one's physical desires or attaining some temporary benefit and then moving on no when a man and woman come together there are certain duties and responsibilities that are laid upon both why because both the husband and wife are to live together in the same house and there has to be peace and harmony between the two therefore certain responsibilities have been placed upon both the husband and wife so that the family can live in peace and by large the society can also be peaceful and this is why we have been given clear guidelines regarding marriage especially about choosing the spouse for example a hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam explains to us that tunkahul mar'atu li arba a woman is chosen for marriage for four reasons li maliha for her wealth wa li hasabiha for her social status wa li jamaliha for her beauty wa li diniha and for her religion fazfar bi dhati ad-din taribat yadaka so marry the religious woman may your hands be filled with sand so a woman could be married for different reasons but what is the best reason what is the most important reason why a woman should be chosen because of her religion because the more religious the more obedient a person is to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the more careful he or she will be towards fulfilling his obligations the duties and the rights of the other and remember that this hadith does not just apply to when searching for a wife but it also applies when searching for a husband we see that many times we have a very fairy tale image of marriage happily ever after and the happily ever after can only be possible when both are on the same page when both share their values when both share their principles and both give the rights of each other so this is why the command has been given over here that wala tankihul mushrikati hatta yu'min do not marry polytheistic women until they believe because a person who does not have deen or iman who does not have faith then a muslim a believer should not marry them he should choose the person who has iman
So let's look at these verses. La tankihu. La over here is for prohibition. So it's a prohibition. You, O Muslims, are not allowed. La tankihu. Do not marry. You are prohibited from marrying. The word tankihu is from the root letters noon, kaf, ha. From the word nikah. And nikah means to marry. It is marriage. Literally, nakaha means abdham. It means to unite two things together. To join, to collect two things together. This is the literal meaning of the word nikah. And the word nikah, it actually means jima'ah. It actually means sexual intercourse. This is the literal meaning of the word nikah. But then the word is also used for the aqt of nikah, the marriage contract. Why? Because only if two people are married are they allowed to have sexual intercourse. So the word nikah actually means jima'ah, it actually means sexual intercourse, but it is also used for aqdun nikah. It is also used for the marriage contract. What is the marriage contract? The marriage contract is a legal contract that is between a man and the guardian of a woman. Who is this contract between not the man and woman? Okay? Remember that. It is a contract between the man, meaning the husband, and the wife's guardian. And it is this contract through which both become halal for each other. Both become halal for each other. Meaning they may live together, there is no veil between them, they become libas for each other. As we have learned earlier, that a husband and wife are libas for each other. So la tankihu, do not marry, meaning O Muslim men, do not marry who? Al-mushrikat, mushrik women. The word mushrikat is the plural of mushrikah. And mushrikah is the feminine of mushrik. And who is mushrik? One who does shirk. So mushrikat, women who do shirk. So don't marry women who do shirk, the polytheistic women. Now what does the word shirk mean? Shirk is from the root letters, shin rakaf. And shirk is to associate partners with Allah. Either in worship, that a person worships others besides Allah, along with Allah, or instead of Allah, or in different ways. As we have studied earlier, inshallah, you will study more details in Iqidah. That shirk is to associate partners with Allah either in his ubudiyah, in ibadah, in uluhiyah, considering someone else to be ilah, in rububiyah, considering or believing someone else as the creator, or in the names and attributes of Allah. So who is a mushrik person? Mushrik person is one who associates partners with Allah. And the word mushrik is also used for those who don't believe in any revealed religion. It is also a term that is used for who? Those people who don't believe in any revealed religion. What is a revealed religion? Islam. And the religion that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down, people changed it. Some changed it into Judaism, others changed it into Christianity. So mushrik is a term basically that is used for other than Muslims, Christians, and Jews. It is a term that is used for who? 
other than Muslims, Christians and Jews by large and there are other exceptions such as Sabians, the Mandaeans, the Sabi'un that we learned earlier however mainly it's Muslims, Christians and Jews other than them are who? Mushrik now the question is that if you look at it the Jews or the Christians they also do shirk isn't it? for example the Christians they believe in Isa they worship him they consider him to be God they consider him to be son of God similarly we learned about the Yahud some of them said Uzaid is a son of Allah so what is that? shirk so yes the people of the book they do commit shirk however the rules concerning the people of the book are slightly different which is why the term mushrik does not apply to them for them the word kitabi or ahlul kitab is used mushrik is like someone from the people of Makkah in the time of ignorance someone who worships idols Okay. similarly if there is a person who claims to be a Muslim who is a Muslim but as we know that with all the innovations that are very prevalent in the Muslims if there is someone who is involved in some sort of shit we are not going to give the label mushrik to him we are going to say that yes he commits shit but we are not going to give the label mushrik to him Okay. so la tankihul mushrikat do not marry mushrik women hatta yu'min until they believe notice the word yu'min there is a shadda on the noon isn't there? this shadda on the noon what does a shadda on a letter mean? that there are two letters right? so the first letter is of the root what's the root? hamza mim noon iman the second noon is of feminine I want you to notice this over here because a lot of words are going to come which are going to have this noon at the end which indicate feminine plural yu'minu means they believe yu'minna means the women believe so this noon at the end indicates feminine and it's called noon niswa so la tankihul mushrikati hatta yu'min do not marry them until they believe why? because if a person does so if a person marries a mushrik woman if a man marries a mushrik woman then what's going to happen? he is only going to do one of two things what are they? that first of all he is going to compromise his religion either he is going to compromise his religion his values so that the relationship can work for example if the mushrik wife wishes to go to the temple what is he going to do? he's going to have to drive her there maybe he's going to go participate with her maybe he's going to have to go with her similarly if she wishes to have some idols in her house for worship he's going to have to allow that so either he's going to end up compromising his religion his values so that the relationship can work or because of the differences there would be a constant strife a constant clash between the husband and wife which will not allow a healthy relationship which will not promote a healthy relationship why? because Tawheed and Shirk Islam and Kufr they are completely different just as a night and day just as the east and west they are completely different they cannot be the same they cannot coexist they cannot be the same a person cannot have Shirk and Islam together 
So a mushrik and a Muslim cannot be married together. Why? Because they're completely different. And because they're completely different, either they will have to compromise their faith in order for them to coexist, or they will have to live with constant strife, with constant fights and differences which will make their life very difficult. And we know that marriage is a source of sukoon. Marriage is what brings comfort and peace to a person. And if marriage is what is making his life very difficult, then what's the purpose of that marriage? So we see that when it comes to aqidah, when it comes to belief, when it comes to values, when it comes to faith, then both the man and woman have to be at the same page. They have to be the same. Why? Because other differences can be ignored. For example, differences in language, differences in culture, differences in preference of different foods or different colors or different styles or, or different things, they can be ignored. Why? Because they change over time. And a person can live without them. But religion is a part of a person. Faith is a part of a person. What did we learn Iman is? Iman is what is in the heart. It is proven by the actions as well. And the tongue. So what is in the heart is going to come out in the actions. If the actions are going to contradict, then how can two people live together? How can there be harmony between the two? So لا تنكح المشركات حتى يؤمن Do not marry the mushrik women until they believe. And if a person compromises his deen, he says, okay, fine, I love this person, I cannot live without her. Doesn't matter. I will stop going to the masjid. Or I will let her raise them however she wants. Not as Muslims, but however she wants. Okay, what's going to happen? He's going to lose his dunya and his akhirah. And even if he does enjoy in the dunya, in the hereafter, their relationship is going to cut off from the moment of death. And they're going to be enemies to each other in the hereafter. So do not marry them until and unless they believe. So we see here that the prohibition of marrying polytheists is clearly given. It's clearly prohibited. It's clearly forbidden to marry someone who is mushrik unless of course if they believe. And if they don't believe, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? That the slave woman is better than the free woman. When? When the slave woman has iman. And the free woman does not have iman. Because even if a person is a slave, she's uneducated, she doesn't have any wealth, she doesn't have any status, she may be very poor, she's maybe not that fun, she doesn't have that much experience, you cannot relate with her mentally on the same level. But because she has iman, she is much better than the mushrik woman who may have many other qualities that you're impressed by. وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَتْكُمْ Even if she pleased you. أَعْجَبَتْكُمْ From the root letters, عَنْجِيمْبَ I'jab is to attract someone to the level of amazement. That you're just amazed by that mushrik woman. You're in love with her. No matter how much you love her, no matter how much she attracts you, no matter how much you admire her, no matter how much you are impressed by her, because she doesn't have iman, she is not better than the Muslim woman. وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَتْكُمْ 
So therefore, you will not marry her. The thing is, that the best quality, like mentioned earlier, that a person can have is Iman. So if a free woman does not possess that Iman, then she is not at the same level as that of a slave believing woman even. The Prophet ﷺ said that الدُّنْيَا مَتَاعٌ وَخَيْرُ مَتَاعِ الدُّنْيَا الْمَرْأَةُ الصَّالِحَةُ The life of this world is but a delight. And the best of the delights of this earthly life is the righteous wife. That's the best matar, the best gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that a person can have. A righteous wife, a righteous companion. So a woman may be very attractive, she may be very educated, she may have many things that amaze you, but if she doesn't have iman, then she's not the best matar. She's not the best delight of this world. وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَتْكُمْ at the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the men that وَلَا تُنْكِحُ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And do not give in marriage to the mushrik men. Do not give who in marriage? The women who are under your guardianship. Notice the word تُنْكِحُ Earlier, what was the word? تَنْكِحُ تَنْكِحُ is you marry. تُنْكِحُ is you give in marriage. So in other words, the guardians are being addressed over here. The guardians of who? The Muslim women. So for example, their fathers, they're being told that when you have to marry your daughter to someone, do not give her hand in marriage to who? To al-mushrikeen, to the mushrik men. Mushrikeen is a plural of mushrik. Just as Muslim men are not allowed to marry mushrik women, likewise, Muslim women will not be given in marriage to who? The mushrik men. Do you notice something here? Muslim women are not being addressed. Who is being addressed? Their guardians are being addressed. Because when it comes to marriage, the marriage contract takes place between who? The husband and the guardian of the woman. You understand? It takes place between who? The husband and the guardian of the woman. This is not a contract between the husband and the wife, but the husband and the guardian of wife. Why? Why is it so? Is it because the father is selling her daughter? Is giving her daughter for some benefit in return? No. It is to show to the husband that look, we are here. She is our daughter. She is our sister. And we are doing a favor to you by letting her marry you. You dare do anything to her, we're going to protect her. So be careful. This is for the protection of the Muslim woman. This is for her protection. So the men, the guardians are being told that you do not give the Muslim women in marriage, the mushrik men, hatta yu'minu until they believe. Until those mushrik men believe. And once they believe, then don't have any problem in giving your daughters in marriage to them. Because sometimes it happens that a person who was non-Muslim, they become Muslim, they're converts. If they try to get married to a Muslim woman, then many times people have hesitation or their families have hesitation. That we don't know what kind of life they used to live before. What if they had a girlfriend? What if they used to drink? What if they did this and that? You know, whatever crimes, whatever sins they may have committed in the past, once they embraced Islam, they're gone. 
all those sins are gone. They are perhaps cleaner than you, more righteous than you. Because from the day you were born, you were raised as a Muslim. So yes, there may have been many sins that you committed. And you probably did not seek forgiveness for them. But the person who probably grew as a non-Muslim, when they embraced Islam, what happened? All their previous sins were forgiven. So never think that you are more righteous than them. It's quite possible that they are more righteous than you. So Allah tells the guardians that if you do have to give your daughters in marriage to non-Muslim men, don't do that. But if they believe the men, then give them in marriage. حَتَّى يُؤْمِنُوا And the Prophet ﷺ said that لَا نِكَاحَ إِلَّا بِوَلِي There is no nikah except with a wali, with a guardian. Meaning if a woman just says that I'm just going to go get myself married myself, I don't need to take the consent of my father, my father does not need to be there, then that marriage does not have any status in Islam. It will not be considered a marriage because there is no nikah except with a wali. mu'minun And surely a believing slave, a male believing slave, he is khayrun much better min mushrikin than a mushrik walau a'jabakum even if he pleases you, even if he amazes you. Who amazes you? The mushrik man. The mushrik man, you might think that he is very noble, he, is, he has the best degree, the most secure job, he is very capable, he is very smart, he is very bright, he's this, he's that. But again, because he does not have iman, you're not going to give your daughter in marriage to him. وَلَعَبْدٌ مُؤْمِنٌ خَيْرٌ مِّن مُشْرِكٍ وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَكُمْ And if you have no other option but a slave, a Muslim slave, then it's better that you give your daughter in marriage to him. Yes, it's better that a Muslim woman marries someone who is lesser in worldly status than him. Because he has iman. And if he has iman, then that will be better for her in this world and in the hereafter. There is a story that we learn about. There was a man, a companion, who was not that handsome. He was not that smart either. And he in fact had some disabilities. You can imagine if there is ever a person like that, with some disabilities, with some physical deformity, who is even going to consider to marry them? Who would? Nobody does, ever. But this person, this companion was a very righteous man. Once the Prophet ﷺ, he found him in the marketplace and he held him from the back and he said, who will buy this slave from me? He was just joking, right? He was just playing with him. That who will buy this slave from me? And he said, nobody would. You know, like, I am of no worth in the sight of people. Nobody likes me because of who I am, how my body is, what my status is. Nobody gives any importance to me. But the Prophet ﷺ assured him that he had a better status in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That the Prophet ﷺ loved him, Allah loved him. Because of his iman. And then there was Ansari companion. An Ansari companion, what does that mean? That he was from Medina, he was of the Ansar. And the Prophet ﷺ asked that if he would give his daughter in marriage to someone. That man thought that the Prophet ﷺ himself wanted to marry his daughter and he said, of course, why not? Then the Prophet ﷺ said, I would like that Jalaybib marries your daughter. And he said, I will have to ask her mother. Then he was a little hesitant. So he went and discussed with his wife and she was like, no way. There is no way that I can give my beautiful daughter to this man. 
This disabled man who doesn't have any wealth, he doesn't have any importance, nothing in the society. She refused outright. But the daughter heard the conversation of her parents. And she said that, has the Prophet ﷺ asked you? And they said, yes. Then she said, there must be something good. I'm okay with it. Can you imagine the girl agreeing herself when the parents were not agreeing that if the Prophet ﷺ said, then I agree. There's no harm. I have no problem whatsoever. She agreed. And because of that, the two got married. And in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verses that وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ That it's not befitting for a believing man and a believing woman that when Allah and His Messenger decide something that they should have any problem with it. They should accept it readily. They should submit willingly. And that lady, she did marry Jalaybib. And very soon after, Jalaybib, he passed away. And she was one of the most sought after women in Medina. Meaning she got the most number of proposals after her husband passed away, after she became a widow. Her status, it grew immediately because she obeyed the Prophet ﷺ. She didn't have to, but she obeyed the Prophet ﷺ. And she convinced her parents into it. Because what did that companion have? He had iman. He had iman. And that is the most important thing that you could ever possess. You know, many times it happens that women complain. All I want from my husband is that he should treat me nicely. That he should treat me nicely, he should be good towards me. I don't care if he doesn't earn much money, if he doesn't buy me nice things, if he doesn't buy me expensive things. I just want him to respect me and accept me the way I am. And many husbands also have the same complaint against their wives. I just want her to respect me. Who can respect their spouse? Who can accept them the way they are? Who can forgive them? A person who has iman. Because the stronger the iman, the greater the submission. The more humble a person is. So this is the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that a believing slave is better than a mushrik man. Even if he pleases you. And if a person disregards this command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and goes on and marries a mushrik woman or a woman is married to a mushrik man, then is that considered nikah? No, it's not considered nikah. That would be zina. It would be fornication. It would be adultery. This would be a life of fornication. It cannot be considered marriage in Islam. Because in the Qur'an we learn, لَهُنَّ حِلٌّ لَهُمْ وَلَهُمْ يَحِلُّونَ لَهُمْ Those men are not permissible for them, and those women are not permissible for them. Okay, if let's say a person is in a situation where they want to get married to another who is a non-Muslim, and the family tells that non-Muslim person that you have to accept Islam, otherwise we cannot let this marriage go through. I mean, it's not going to work. So, if the other, whether it's a woman or a man, the non-Muslim, he under pressure or she under pressure, says La ilaha illallah at that time, but in their heart, they don't accept Islam at all, then what are we supposed to do? Remember that we are to accept people on their, on their apparent. We have been told not to judge what is in the hearts of other people. When a person says, I am Muslim, then they will be considered a Muslim. But in Surah At-Tawbah we learn that 
If they establish the prayer and give the zakat, then they are your brothers in deen. So there have to be some manifestations of that Islam as well. Does that person go for Jumu'ah at least? Do they go to the mosque ever? Do they ever pray? If they do, then you will accept them. But if they don't even change their religion on their passport or anything, then obviously they're not going to be considered Muslim. And if after some time you ask them, so are you Muslim? Do you believe in Allah? And they say, no, no, I don't. Then obviously they're not Muslim. And that marriage will be terminated. Okay? So, وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَكُمْ Why? What's the reason? Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ يَدْعُونَ إِلَى النَّارِ Those people, meaning the mushrik men and women, they call to the fire. If you respond to their invitation, they're calling you, marry me, I love you, I will buy this for you, we can live such a happy life, I accept you the way you are. And you feel like, yeah, they're the ideal spouse for me. Allah says, no. Don't get deceived over here. In reality, they're calling you to the hellfire. Are they actually calling you to the hellfire? Like they say, come to the hellfire? They don't do that. But they will call you to ways, to actions that will lead you to hellfire inevitably. Because if they do shirk, then once in a while, you will also do shirk. You know, once the Prophet ﷺ was requested by the mushrikeen that just touch our idols. You know, just to show respect for them. That we consider them holy. That, you know, we believe in them. We believe in them as our gods. Just touch our idols. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed such strong verses that you're not going to. Had you even listened to them, then this would be a great problem. Verses were revealed prohibiting the Prophet ﷺ that you're not going to. You're not going to show any affection for those idols because you don't believe in them. So if a Muslim is living with a mushrik, then you think they're not going to show any respect for their idols? What if there's an idol in the house? And there must be. Right? You see them in stores even here. It's amazing how... I remember I once went to a store and another that I walked by from outside and I saw that there was something that looked like an idol right in front of the door and there was a, a bowl of fruit as an offering sitting right next to it. And this is here in Canada. Twice I've seen with my own eyes. So if people can keep their idols, just like we Muslims, we keep our religious symbols as well in our workplaces, in our cars, in our homes. So it's only understandable that you give religious freedom to the other as well. But if there's shirk being committed in your own house, then how can you live tawheed? How can you teach your children? How can you? And you know what? The children are the ones who suffer the most. They are the ones who suffer the most. They grow up thinking, what am I? Am I Muslim? Am I Christian? Am I this? Am I that? What am I? Children have no idea. They are lost. And if you raise people without faith, if you raise faithless people who do not have love for God, whatever that God may be, then you're raising people who don't have fear of consequences in their lives. You know, religion, no matter what religion it is, it keeps human beings humans. It keeps them humble. It makes them responsible individuals, whatever that religion may be. And if you decide that no, our children, they can choose when they grow older, then you are leading them into disaster, into confusion. So the children suffer the most. They don't know what's happening in their lives. They go through identity crisis and so on and so forth. 
So Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ يَدْعُونَ إِلَى النَّارِ They call you to the fire. And on the other hand, وَاللَّهُ يَدْعُوا And Allah invites. From the root letters, دَا الْعَيْنِ wow. Allah invites you إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ وَالْمَغْفِرَةِ بِإِذْنِي Allah invites you to Jannah and forgiveness by His permission. That if you marry a Muslim person, if you choose a believing person as your spouse, then Allah will give you Jannah. This will lead you to the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because we learned that when a person gets married, when a Muslim gets married, then they have completed how much of their faith? Half of their faith. That doesn't mean that a person gets married twice so that all of their iman is complete. No. It means that half of their faith is inshallah safe and the other half they have to be worried and concerned about. Right? There are many things that people can only do when they're married and other things that they cannot do. Right? So, وَاللَّهُ يَدْعُوا إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ وَالْمَغْفِرَةِ So when a person's iman, half of it is complete, then he has less problems, less difficulties, less challenges to deal with. Obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes easier. It becomes easier. With many women it happens that when they're unmarried, they're not sure. Should I wear hijab or not? You know, I'm not sure. I'm not 100%. I'm still a little confused. But once they get married, they get the support of their husband. Because he's also right. He says, no, I want you to cover. I want you to wear hijab. So then she is able to do it. Even though her parents may oppose or her siblings may oppose. But because she has that support from her husband, she's able to be more obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Likewise, in another hadith we learn that may Allah bless the man who gets up during the night to pray. And he wakes up his wife as well so that she can also pray. But if she refuses to get up, he sprinkles water on her face. But get up, wake up and pray. Doesn't mean that you know he takes a whole glass of water and pours it on her face. No. And may Allah bless the woman who gets up during the night to pray and wakes up her husband and who if he refuses, sprinkles water on his face. So both help one another to get to Jannah. Both encourage one another to get to Jannah, to earn the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When both are on the same page, when both are righteous servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if that's not the case, then a person is going to go the other way. So, Wallahu yad'u ila al-jannah wal-maghfirah by His permission. وَيُبَيِّنُ آيَاتِهِ لِلنَّاسِ And he clarifies his verses for the people. Why? لَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَذَكَّرُونَ So that they may take a lesson. يَتَذَكَّرُونَ from تَذَكُّرْ ذَلْكَافْرَ Dhikr is to remember, but تَذَكُّرْ is to take a lesson. To accept a lesson. To accept a nasiha, a reminder. So Allah clarifies all of this over here. Why? So that people understand and they're able to accept the instruction that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us over here. That don't marry the mushrikeen, instead marry who? The believers. It's better for you, it's better for your faith, it's better for your akhirah. It will lead you to forgiveness in the hereafter. It will lead you to jannah in the hereafter. Let's listen to the recitation. وَلَا تَنْكِحُوا الْمُشْرِكَاتِ حَتَّى يُؤْمِنُوا وَلَأَمَةٌ مُؤْمِنَةٌ خَيْرٌ مِّن مُشْرِكَةٍ وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَتْكُمْ وَلَا تُنْكِحُوا الْمُشْرِكِينَ حَتَّى يُؤْمِنُوا 
The relationship of the husband and the wife is not just about living together, but there's intimate relationship between a husband and wife as well. And that has some etiquette that inshallah we will learn about. That for example, tahara, cleanliness. That for instance, in the relationship of the husband and wife, there are many things that are Forbidden, for instance, anal sex, this is something that is not allowed in Islam. And if a person marries a non-Muslim, then how can they force them? The wisdom behind why such marriages are forbidden in Islam, there are many reasons, which make it very clear that it's better for a person to stay away from this. And as long as a person is striving to please Allah, Allah will, inshallah, bless him or her with the righteous spouse. But you have to be patient. Now, like I mentioned to you earlier, that the term mushrik does not apply to the Jews and the Christians, the people of the book. And in the Qur'an we learn that Muslim men are allowed to marry righteous women from the people of the book. So it doesn't mean just any Christian, any Jew, but they have to be a, a good, righteous Jewish woman or a Christian woman. A Muslim man is allowed to marry them. But a Muslim woman is not allowed to marry a Jewish man or a Christian man. Is that clear? You might say, why? This is discrimination against women, this is not fair. Why? What's the reason? Because in Islam, or even in general, who has more authority in a marriage? Generally, typically. Who? The man, the husband. Even if he does not have more authority, who has more physical power, physical strength? The husband, the man, right? And if a woman marries a husband who is not a Muslim, then as a Muslim woman, she is supposed to obey her husband. But if the husband says, come to the church with me and pray to Isa salam, or let's celebrate non-Muslim festival or something, then is she not disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Yes, she is. Yes, she is. So the husband has more authority, he has more physical strength. She, the Muslim woman, cannot protect herself in some situations. So it is for the protection of the women that such marriages are not allowed. But the Muslim men are allowed to marry Christian women or Jewish women. Why? What's the reason? Because at the end of the day, he has more authority. And if he thinks it's not working out, then there is also the option of divorce in which the man will not suffer as much. Because whenever there is a divorce, who suffers more? Typically, the woman. Because she has the children, and she has to look after the children, and her body has been changed so much, you know, in pregnancy, in birthing, in nursing, and so on and so forth. So, woman will suffer more. Okay? So this is the reason why a Muslim woman is not allowed to marry a non-Muslim, regardless of what their religion is at all. And remember, that at the end of the day, whose instruction is this? Whose instruction is this? the instruction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, there has to be some wisdom. There has to be some reason. Because Allah, we believe that He is the most merciful. We believe that He is the most wise. We believe that He is the most knowing. And whatever He tells us to do, 
there is good in it for us. And whatever He prohibits us from, there is also some reason behind that. Yeah, yeah it happens with many children that when they grow up in a family where the parents are of different religions, even if one is Muslim and the other is not, then they end up as people with no religion. Yes. Yeah. Of course, that happens many times. I remember there was a girl that I knew. Her mother was Christian and her father was uh, Muslim. But he was not that practicing at all. And, and they left their children whatever they want to do. So there were times when she would practice Christianity and there were times when she would practice Islam. She said, I don't know whether I'm Christian or Jewish. I have no idea. And when she was a teenager, obviously at that time you're making your own independent choices. You do things your own way. She was completely lost, completely confused. She didn't know what she wanted to do. There's some things concerning which you can give children a choice. Right? Which shirt would you like to wear? Orange or red? Okay. But there are other things concerning which you don't give children a choice. Because if you give them a choice, they don't know what's good for them. For example, you ask them, would you like to eat? What will they say? No. Because they want to play. But you know they're hungry. They're tired. They're exhausted. They don't want to eat. So what do you do at that time? You feed them. Anyway, you don't even give them the choice. Because they don't know how to make that decision for themselves.